Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey everyone, I'm Ian DeBorja, and welcome to IMDb's Movies That Changed My Life, a podcast where your favorite stars break down the films that made them who they are today. This week's guest is actor Ian McShane. You may know Ian as Al Swearingen in Deadwood, or as Winston in the John Wick franchise, but he joins me today to chat about his role as Mr. Wednesday in Star's American Gods. Ian and I talk about internet fandom around American Gods, that time he met Marlon Brando, and the movies that changed his life. I wanted to give two quick shout-outs. First to at Catcher on Twitter, who agreed with Joel Kinnaman, saying that Lan is so damn good, and to Shy 206 on Apple Podcasts for our most recent five-star review. If you listen and want to give us some thoughts on the show, please use the hashtag movies that changed my life and tag IMDb on Twitter or give us a star rating on Apple Podcasts and I'll keep reading those out throughout the season. Thanks again for listening. Here's Movies That Changed My Life with Ian McShane. Ian, uh, I'm a big fan of American Gods. Uh, I love the book originally written by Neil Gaiman. Uh, you're, we're now midway through season three, coming up on the finale. So uh, do you want to chat about that a little bit? I, You know, it's been an interesting journey. I mean, over three seasons of a show which has had, you know, um, I think the first episode, first series was overpraised. I think the second series was underpraised. And series three, I don't know where we land with that. But, I mean, you've got so many people who've got their own opinions about what the show should be and, you know, other people writing it, other people ideas, what they call hardcore fans. I'm not quite sure because... The book actually is not a book, if you know what. Have you read the book? Yeah, you know yeah, it? yeah. I, I was a big fan of You know what I mean? Book. It's a blueprint. You put, you put your own ideas on it. You put your own um, you put your own spin onto whatever. I mean, that's what Gaiman does. Gaiman gives you a sort of a blueprint, this particular book anyway, and then goes off, you know, goes off-road, if you like, and everybody else does. So there's no real – when people say, oh, this isn't in the book, that isn't in the book, there's a lot that isn't in the book, but there's a lot that could be in the book. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, a lot could be in the TV show. What they've chosen to show is whatever. You know, it's uh, my character Wednesday. I've enjoyed playing it. You know, I enjoy him. It's a great character. Um, I think we've come to the end of the road with it, but we'll see. Uh, it's been fun. It's been a good three years. Uh, well, no, actually, all, all together, it's going to be near coming up to five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, great character. Yeah, that's a fun to play. We'll see where it goes. Um, I, I have, you see, I'm very ambivalent about the show, but everybody has their own strong ideas. I have my own idea about it, but um, you know, let the let the internet play with it. Let people who are 
you know, decide what they want. I mean, those are the loudest voices in the room. We just do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, letting the internet play with it, uh, that actually kind of makes sense given the theme of the old gods versus the new gods too. What's it like working on a show where every week people are like, breaking down every scene you know i was watching one from this last week's episode and the person was referencing every time you brought up your character mr wednesday brought up like a shakespeare reference uh what's that like for you just like as an actor knowing that fans are so passionate about not only the show but your character in particular well, you can't tell the difference between a shakespeare quote and the <laughs> script i mean you know i mean it's great it's but you know we're doing tv i mean it's great i mean that was a quote from lear about yeah. his son I mean, that was what that we're referring to there. That just happened to be in. I think I spoke to the writer about it. He seemed to be quite funny. It's a funny one, you know, mm-hmm. um, as he says it to himself. But no, I think they should get on with it. I mean, I don't, I don't belong to any social media, which is a good thing, uh-huh. you know. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, with my temperament, I'd be trying to find everybody that ever said a bad word again. <laughs> so that's not a good idea. So I just keep away from it. I mean, criticism is criticism. Yeah. You can't take it, get out of the business, you know. But you don't have to read everything, Ian. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, and there was so much more of it now. I mean, it's as uh, you know. I think I say in the last episode last week when the Hank, the technician, said, mm-hmm. "Oh, you're oh you're Odin in this. Uh, Odin's a bit of an asshole in the story." And I said. Everybody's a critic, which is true. I mean, everybody nowadays is a critic. Right. But with every great invention comes the downside. But there we go. <laughs> exactly. I guess you guess you know I've seen the social dilemma, you know. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we are the victims, you know. Right. We are the victims. We are not the consumers, you know. Right. We are the consumer and the, the people who they, they, they take care of the ads. Right. Yeah, but as they've always done. It's amazing, isn't it? It's funny. But everybody thinks that, you know, we're in charge of it. No, we're not in charge of anything. Right. Every Everything is sort of controlled by something else. Let's chat a little bit about Sunday, Saturday night and Sunday morning. Um, yeah. I, I, I had never seen, so I actually had unfortunately never seen the three of these films that you selected, the first one being against Saturday night and Sunday morning from 1960. Uh, like you said, starring Albert Finney and uh, the great Shirley Ann Field and Rachel Roberts. So um, I was particularly invested in Saturday night and Sunday morning. What a film. I mean, I can imagine growing up, you know, in the era, this seemed like such an honest slice of life depiction of the working class in England at the time. Um, So do you want to talk about that? Like when when you first saw this movie? Well, yeah, I mean, seeing it, you know, I mean, first of all, Albert was sort of a a bit of a hero for me. I mean, he's a few years older than Albert, but from the same part of the world. And he sort of went to drama school in the early 50s, uh, and then I saw him quite out of the blue at, uh, when we went for our, I think it was the sixth form um, examination in English literature, taking my sort of exams to go to university. And it was Coriolanus was on the set, Shakespeare, and they were doing it at Stratford. And we all went down, you know, then they'd take you on school bus. You know, you'd, our, our matinees at Stratford were full of school kids reading their syllabus for their English exams. And usually it was the play, right. you know. And I happened to two of them. I saw Hamlet in 55, I think, 56. And then we went down by coach, all of us that were taking the exam, and saw it was going to be uh, Olivier. It was Olivier's mm. great performance. About, but but he, was, he was injured. He did the spectacular fall, and he'd injured himself. So who came on? The audition, the, under, the understudy? Albert, mm. who was fantastic. And he sort of catapulted him 
into sort of, you know, into theatrical fame in England as a, as a, you know, as a terrific young actor. And then he did Saturday Night and Sunday Morning, which is a great, it's a, it's a great performance, you know. I mean, somebody once described Albert as looking like, you know, and he did look, he looked like a freshly scrubbed apple. <laughs> anyway, no, he did. Great. Rosy cheeks. He looked right. like a really healthy English guy, you know. Do you think it accurately represented the time correctly? I mean, not. So, yeah. So it represents the exact year that I went to drama school. Right. In 1960, checking my, um, you know, the year, I think two years after I'd seen Albert and then on stage. But it represented, yeah, I mean, that's why I didn't want, I didn't want to go and work. I mean, my dad was a footballer. Right. But I certainly wasn't going to work in a factory. I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. But then it was the time of, uh, so we're seeing somebody on screen who represented you and your peers. Right. People you went to school with or what they could represent, you know. Also, at the time, there was a lot of, you know, my best friend emigrated to Australia two years later because he figured there was nothing for him in England anymore. And they actually talk about that in Saturday night and Sunday morning, correct? Isn't one of the brothers is in Australia? So, yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, I, you know, um, yeah, they did because they would offer like uh, my, my, my dad's my dad's sister and his uh and her husband, they moved to Australia. They give you like a money, they'd pay for your trip there and pay for you to settle down. But they came back again. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of getting out of England after the 50s, you know? Something in particular about Saturday night and Sunday morning that I liked and was interesting is that Albert Finney's character of Arthur, you always kind of seem like he's gonna like learn from sort of any lesson, whether yeah. it's when he gets beat up or when he gets caught or these the situation with the married woman. But he doesn't seem to learn, and he he kind of keeps on like moving forward. Um, was that sort of like the mentality of of? You know, like, so my mentality. I mean, I like you know. I mean, I didn't take. I don't think I took act. I think I took acting like Albert did, half seriously until I was well into my thirties. I mean, I was determined to have a good time. Right. It's like you know backwards. I mean, it's now it's time. What what you say? I will, I will commit my life to my profession until I'm sixty, and then have a good time. Right. No, I. I mean, I did a little backwards. I decided, you know, early on that I was going to live my life and and have an acting career, and then later on, whatever. Also, I was, you know, you you look at it. I was always a little younger, mm. and that, as I said at the time, that's why Saturday Night and Sunday Morning had been done. So after seeing all those films of my mom and dad, who weren't, you know, like, I mean, they took me to Sunset Boulevard when I was like thirteen, <laughs> which is my favorite movie of all time, actually. Mm. I mean, I think. Billy Wilder and all that. But I mean, I wanted to talk about something a little different. Yeah. That I, I mean, even now I get excited about, you know, watching and putting a movie on, the act of putting it in and thinking, what the hell is this going to be? Right. It's a thrill. We know where it's from. So then you can imagine, you know, being in London when you had a plethora of art house movies. I mean, you had everything. And you had everything from Ingmar Bergman right the way through the French New Wave. I mean, fantastic movies. And we go all the time, you know, we just go in there. Both this film and Saturday Night and Sunday Morning are in the the kitchen sink drama, which is kind of England's answer to the French New Wave, basically. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. 
Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Um, so this sporting life is about uh, Richard Harris. He is a, you know, again, a, a working class man who happens to be a rising rugby star. Uh, and he ends up getting signed. It's basically his life not only as becoming a, a rugby, rugby star, but also he's in love with the woman he is living with, um, but she doesn't necessarily uh, reciprocate that love back. So do you want to talk about um, this sporting life and, and how this is? It's a really vicious, cruel film. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's a heavyweight movie. That's why I, I watched it again a couple of years. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I didn't want to appear like I, you know, talking to you like I watched it again and, and looked at every frame of it right, last right, night. right. And I didn't want it to be going to that kind of a dissertation on a movie. But I remember being struck by the power of, I mean, I think their performances, um, Rachel Roberts. Oh, she's incredible. She's yeah. great, 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 great actress. I mean, but her performance is that, you know, the, the abused woman as she was in, as she was in Saturday night, but yet with that incredible strength behind her, mm-hmm. that you know, goes against what, you know, the, the, the character that Harris was. I mean, Harris is brutal in it and yeah. he's great. He's, he's incredible. And when I was watching this, again, I hadn't seen this before. Uh, I also really enjoyed it, is that, you know, this movie is clearly highly influential even in, like, more modern films. I mean, Raging Bull isn't necessarily, like, modern, but I feel like Raging Bull is sort of uh, a big homage, big homage, well, right? Sporting films, but they've really got nothing to do with sport, if you know what I mean. Right, you know? yeah. It's about sort of their climb and their struggle and how they want more, but they're unable to attain it. It was really interesting to see that. And even, I think, um, De Niro's performance in Raging Bull even emulates Richard Harris in this sporting life, which I thought was interesting. Oh, it's a great performance. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, to play that, you know, that sort of committed... I mean, because they're both, this, you know, despicable characters in many ways, mm-hmm. but they are what they are. They're men of their time. Right. So you have to watch them, these monsters, go through their life. So... But then- and you've got, you know, you've got in the sporting life, you've got the chairman of the club, the duplicitous chairman played right. by Al Dell, and the whole, you know, the the the, the veneer wonder god, the woman that owns, you know, his wife that's in the club, that that fancies the players, whatever, <laughs> right. the whole war that goes on. And don't forget it was directed by not an Englishman, which I think is what makes it great, mm-hmm. Carol Wright. Check. I mean, it's like Tom Stoppard. I mean, it's like, you know, Tom Stoppard is a gift of the English literature because it's not his first language. Hmm. Like, uh, like you know, um, Nabokov wasn't his first language. Right. I mean, English may be the only language where people who's not their first language come in and actually find the language and make the language more. No, really, use yeah. the language in such a phenomenal way as Stoppard and Nabokov do. I don't know other languages of like other authors that have been, you know, uh, Saturday night and Sunday morning and um, the sporting life. Sporting life stand out to me because of the sort of, I know they were fantastically out there performances by the actors involved in it. Mm-hmm. I think that's why and combined they, they I remember most vividly. For this sporting life, um, did you react any differently to the film because your dad grew up as a professional football player? Well, different because that's rugby league and rugby league. My dad was, this, what's fascinating about sporting life is because it's a sport, rugby league, which is a fabulous sport, but it's really only played in the north of England. Mm, okay. I mean, they are, these guys, it's fascinating. I mean, they show they should watch it's it bru- here. It's, it's brutal. Too. <laughs> it's brutal, but they're guys. They never argue with it. You should see a game. 
And these guys are like superstars where they are. Right. They don't wear any padding, no helmets, yeah. and they all tackle properly. Though it's interesting. It's a really, they don't argue with the ref. You never see a fight. It's like it's a really sort of personalized, but it's like UFC with a with a real sort of, you know, discipline to it. Right. I mean, UFC does have discipline, but I don't think so when you get 15 men doing the same thing. Right. But it's, but his character, Harris, was such a lunatic because he, he doesn't play it particularly well at the start. Right. He's just uh, sort of a bull that, like, he, he just charges forward and he does that in life as well. That's all his reaction to everything is a bull in a china shop. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, Richard Harris is, is pretty unbelievable in in the in the film and something i really liked about the sporting life too is that it's a bit avant-garde in the way it tells the story right like it has it kind of it does a lot of time jumps it has stuff whether he's dreaming or when he's under medication when he's getting his teeth fixed um so what was that like seeing that you know especially compared to saturday night and sunday morning is super straightforward so i mean i think it's a great example of taking uh, a novel and making a film of it or like taking a play. You just don't take the play and dump it on screen. You actually have to make a different version of your original idea. Mm-hmm. And story did brilliantly with that. Saturday Sunday morning is much more sort of a northern by the rules, clock in, it's a fact. And I understood that. So the way that was directed, I understood well. You know, I, I, I thought that was, yeah, it's fine. Last question, Life, here for The Sporting Life. So you had been acting at this point. You, you Your credits were young and willing and then first night. Um, when you saw this, did this uh, did this change sort of the way you wanted to approach acting after seeing Harris's performance? I don't know, subtly. I mean, watching every terrific actor has an effect on you. You know, you don't copy. I mean, right. I, I talked about some of the, you know, uh, you know, the who did you meet anybody in your life? Yeah, I met Marlon Brando by accident with a guy <laughs> at a dinner party. A good friend said, I've got a friend of mine coming from America. This is in 19, what was it, 19, I think it was 1970. And we're coming for dinner. And we walked in. He went, this is Marlon Brando. So I went, hello, how are you? (laughs) He was just as great as you wanted him to be. He was interesting, funny, charming. And I kept sitting there. And this is before I then watched him in Last Tango in Paris, Mm. The Godfather. This is 1970. So his great performance was still to come. But anybody that's watched him change, you know, he did change screen acting with his performances in Streetcar early. And then, I mean, but Harris again went on to, you know, I mean, they famously fell out when they did, um, what do you call it? Mutiny on the Bounty together. Mm. Apparently, they, you know, they, but uh, you get super egos, whatever. Who knows? It's still an interesting movie. No, I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah. And I knew Richard. I worked with him. If I may throw it in, he was, he was living at the Savoy Hotel. And they carried him out. He got very ill one night and they carried him out. He lived at the, and as he was being carried out by the ambulance, he, he got up and he said, it's the food to all the people <laughs> in the hotel. <laughs> let's, let's jump to our last film here. Uh, Academy Award winner for Best Picture. This is Tom Jones from 1963, uh, directed by Tony Richardson, written by John Osborne and Henry Fielding, starring Albert Finney again, uh, Susanna York, and George Devine. Um, it's about uh, 18th century... Uh, it's a room. Yeah, it's it's a rom com, and it is one of the most again another film I hadn't seen, another incredibly bizarre and funny film. I don't think I had ever, like almost have never seen a movie like this. It's kind of like Barry Lyndon meets Monty Python. Like it's it's Ian, that's exactly it's a great it's a great piece of again bravura filmmaking, bravura acting from you know from Finney and. Moira Redmond, who plays the what that marvelous eating scene when they have all the food, you know? right? Right, all this the, the turkey legs and stuff, right? Way before Harry met Sally, you know. Then you've got the great Hugh Griffith playing the squire, 
I mean, his when he pulls off the horse is one of the great moments in cinematic history. Right. But again, when you said, I think you've summed it up pretty well. That I well, I wanted to pick something completely different. That it wasn't all black and white and doom and gloom. Right. And it's in color and it's blazing and it's a romp from beginning to end. And it's made with great. I mean, I think the sort of warmth jumps off the screen when you see that movie. Yeah, it was interesting watching Albert Finney in this compared to Saturday Night and Sunday Morning. I mean, it's like two different people. Um, yeah. The range of performance is is so interesting to me. So uh, for you, I mean, coming out of these kitchen sink dramas and, and French New Wave, which you appear to be a big fan of, you know, those films compared to this, they're so different. So what was it like when you got to see Tom Jones for the first time? I think it's just happy. You enjoy. You went into a film knowing it was going to be enjoyable and came out thinking, yes, it was enjoyable. Did it mean anything? Um, not particularly at the time, but not every film has to mean something, you know? Right. Not every film. It's a romp about the time, I'm sure. You know, as you said, did it realistically um, convey the time? <laughs> I mean, I personally wouldn't have wanted to live in the 18th century. I don't know about you, Ian. Right, but, you no, know, probably not. I mean, you get up in the morning, the smell of must have stayed with you all day, you know what I mean? <laughs> but the film makes such sort of a joy is because people then, you know, lived as they do now because people make the best of wherever they are but have to because right. it ain't going to change for time soon. So that I just wanted to come uh, make that film as a, as a, as a, I didn't want to pick three films of doom and gloom from the, that not all the, uh, you know, the British, the, the, the British films of that time were all that kind of a movie. It was an interesting period because at the end of that, as you say, you're now going into, um, the period of American independent movie making because I remember making a movie in 68, an American movie, if it's Tuesday. And uh, if it's Tuesday, this must be Belgium, which was all Americans apart from me playing the uh, tour guide, 1968. And we made it all on location in Europe, but I had to come to America to dub it. Mm. They didn't have, they didn't have, you know, any kind of lines under the ocean. They didn't have crystal fiber then. Right. Well, optic, optic, <laughs> optic. <laughs> Fiber optics or whatever, saying, oh, you can do a voiceover now. We've been way, way on the world. So I, they brought me across, and I stayed at the Beverly Wilshire for three weeks and dubbed If It's Tuesday. But they weren't making any movies in America then, do you know that? Mm -hmm. I went I was at the studio, and it was, like, interesting. At MGM, I'd never been before. And you draw up to the great studio, MGM, you see Irving Thalberg, and you go, wow. And I said, so who's, you know, any movie stars here? What are they making? The guy went. No, we're not doing anything. We're making a bit of television, and Marooned is coming in in a month. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty remarkable. You think about it now. They were making nothing. It was the year every, everybody's afraid of television. This was before you got, and then this is just before you got all the great sort of, you know, Scorsese, all the independent American movies, right. and then sort of English, and then England went sort of backwards from that. Mm. Because they were dominated by American movies, right? And and all the Americans came to London and made movies out of London. Then they all moved back here in the seventies, right? Late 70s. Yeah, I, I know, like Scorsese and, and, and that class of directors. They were particularly inspired by the French New Wave and the British New Wave films, and wanted to bring that sort of energy back to Hollywood. So yeah, yeah I mean, Tom Jones isn't isn't in the like we've said isn't in the same vein as those but were you paying attention to the academy awards because tom jones won best picture that's because it was in color and because mm. it was a you know i mean and because it was a romp and because people would identify more with it. no and god bless it. It, it it drew attention to the movies but did he deserve the academy no 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 movie ever deserves the academy award <laughs> i mean i did not that i've seen recently yeah parasite did oh I thought yeah parasite, parasite was brilliant that's an amazing movie yeah. It's just an amazing movie. But um, no, I mean, it's, it's, I've never paid much attention to awards. I mean, I've got, you know, geez, I got a Golden Globe, but I thought they made a mistake back in 2005, you know. <laughs> those, 
weirdest lot you've ever seen in your life, you know. I mean, comes up with it this year. I mean, you're going to go, wow, have you? Really? They come up with they come up with actors and movies you'll never see. Hey, it's a it's a closed group of people. God bless them. Whatever they want to do. Right. Do you have a favorite sequence? And we we talked about the eating sequence. So, but God, from- that's, I think that's my favorite, the eating sequence, because it may be, I know it's the most obvious one now, whatever, but at the time, mm, and yeah, I think yeah. I'm doing it. And again, it's the it's the older woman. And I t- I tell you what, but Finney and what came across Finney's performances both in that and in Tom Jones. Is the the relish with which he acted? Yeah, you know it wasn't He's... all. He acted with great relish. You know what I mean? He really enjoyed being those people. Mm-hmm. And if you don't enjoy, and that same with Harris, if you don't enjoy being those people, it's not going to come across. They're not. They're not men who who are introspective at that time. Mm. You know, they are forces of nature, and that's I guess why. Um, I mean, it's not only performances, but I just thought Tom Jones was a, exactly. He said he won an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I mentioned it, I'd forgotten about that, you know. I really had. I just thought it was – it's interesting that the other movies I don't think made that much of a splash here. Films like Saturday Night, Sunday Morning, and This Sporting Life, I think time has has done it favors. Like people are really going back to those types of movies, especially especially now like with Again and Rise of like independent filmmaking. I think, you know, movies like that um, are, are becoming more relevant. I think because here in the States, like – when I watched Saturday Night and Sunday Morning, I kept thinking of Catcher in the Rye, and that's like you know a, a stalwart yeah. American book to read for any kid in high school reads Catcher in the Rye here in the states, basically. Um, and I feel like Holden Caulfield's character sort of captures a lot of what was going on with British New Wave and French New Wave. So I think that that could be a reason as why that that film genre didn't catch on quite. Yeah, I mean because people didn't know who were finding out who they were. You yeah. know, I mean I don't think people have ever, you know, not on film or the question themselves about that but again it's like the relish with actors when they relishing the movie they're in and i don't mean by overacting or what that word emoting you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but the sheer relish of what they were doing um and uh you know and rachel roberts is a break your heart actress you know Mm -hmm. she really is she's that woman who always you know there's more to her there but men are always going to discard her in some kind of way but i mean her and then moira redmond who plays the uh, the woman in the, who he has who Tom Jones has the you know has that great scene with as we said the eating scene which is the you know the the sexual simile. <laughs> right. Uh, my my favorite part about Tom Jones is how many times he breaks the fourth wall. Like there's there are maybe four or five times throughout the film where he kind of he kind of looks at the he looks at the camera and asks like you didn't see that did you I thought that was very you know well, I know but I don't, but that 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 again I didn't mention because he's sort of part of it again it's relish he's kind of saying it doesn't interfere with the movie it's done right I mm-hmm. remember when I did a series called Lovejoy in England and I did that broke the fourth wall and nobody really noticed <laughs> no which is good yeah. it, like, it wasn't like saying oh they broke they've done something terrible. The first time you noticed it here was when they did um, House of Cards. House of Cards, thank you, Ian. Yeah, I mean they did that originally, but played by the great Ian Richardson, who yeah. used to look at the camera and go, "You know, I couldn't possibly remind you." But if it's used right, it's it's terrific. Yeah, yeah, very so brilliant. Comes in, you say, "Yeah," but as you said, you don't. When you told me now, I'd forgotten. <laughs> yeah. But if it's carried, if it's in the whole filmmaking, can encompass a lot of things. You know. Mm-hmm. Last question here before we wrap. So we have Saturday night and Sunday morning, this sporting life and Tom Jones. Do you see a through line or a connective tissue between the three films? Well, apart from the sixties English and Albert Finney being the star of two. <laughs> um, Saturday night and Sunday morning could have been my life in a sense. 
Mm-hmm. All that the character. I mean, of, of, of growing up and going into it. Uh, Tom Jones is a, just a, a romp. I wanted, uh, I wanted to, to pick that movie because it was something different to Sporting Life, which is a I thought was a connection to um, to Saturday night and Sunday morning, but about a sport which wasn't about. There weren't superstars in that sport. They were like another job. Mm-hmm. A rugby player was another job. I mean, it's brutal because it's like you can't play next week. Well, you know, they all had jobs during the day. You know what I mean? They didn't. It wasn't like there was. It was for a part of that life. And because I'm from the north, I think I picked it deliberately because I'm from the north of England. And that's but And uh, I think David's story is a hugely gifted writer. I could have picked, uh, you know, we could uh, we could go and talk in forever, whatever you wanted to, but it's like, yeah. We get such a wide range of selections. Um, I was, I've, I've been kind of been in a very like French new wave mood lately. So I'm glad I got pulled back into the British, the British new wave because it's, I'm sort of filling out some holes here and there. And some of these are on there as well. So well, I think there's one, have you seen the one movie, which is the great, the, the French new wave, which has always got to me, which is the, What's it with the great actress, uh, the two guys? What's it called with Truffaut's movie about the uh, two guys vying for the same girl? Oh, no, no. oh, Jules and Jim. Jules and Jim. Yes, yes, yes. That is a good one. That blew me. I went to see Johnny Hurt and I went to see I'm never. We were both like, well, that's just, that was amazing. But it's like saying you can talk about that, but Wild Strawberries. I mean, you go through mm-hmm. all those movies. Mm-hmm. When you were a kid, when I was like 18, 19, 20, and these, I mean, amazing movies from everywhere. From Milos Foreman, Fireman's Ball, Knife in the Water. Mm-hmm. But I picked that because I'm British. I stuck to British films. <laughs> <laughs> no, as, a, as a good Brit, uh, northerner Brit should. Well, thank you so much for hanging out today. Uh, it was great to go back in time to chat about some of the movies that changed your life. So the finale of season three of American Gods comes out on March 21st. Are there any last things uh, you want to say to the fans listening in ahead of the episode? You know, as Jerry Garcia said, what a long, strange trip it's been. Thank you. Well, uh, thank you so much. Again, I'm, I'm a fan of, of American Gods. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, it, was, it was great talking to you. This was fun. Okay, pal. Take care of yourself. Yeah, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to head over to imdb.com slash podcasts for more content on Ian and to easily add the movies that changed his life to your IMDb watch list. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.